Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 25 of Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 23 through 25. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Well, as we've been going along verse by verse, through Genesis chapter 2, we've seen that God has uh, given us the true historical facts of the creation of mankind, the creation of the woman, and the beginning of the human race. And also, we've seen spiritually God has established again and again and shown us through this true history, these actual events that took place long ago, the gospel picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as the man and all of the elect, everyone that God has saved as the woman that is built out of the man. She's derived from the man as the church came forth out of the blood, out of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as the woman was bone of Adam's bone and flesh of his flesh, and therefore called woman because she was taken out of man, so too does the eternal church that is comprised of everyone that God has saved, the whole company of the elect, said to be bone of Christ's bones. And we are of his body. We are likened to the body of Christ. And God views us through Jesus. We are one flesh in that sense in God's sight. He sees Christ. He sees the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does not see the sins of the woman, of all those whose sins were cast upon the Lord. And and God says that, in verse 24 of Genesis 2, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. And we know this is how God has established things in this world. There are parents, the father and the mother, and they have children, and the children grow up in the home until they are of age, sufficient age, and then they marry. God has established um, civilization through the family, and and the family, uh, the husband, the wife, the man and the woman, uh, bear children. The children then grow 
and go out and form their own families, and they also, in turn, bear children. This is the natural order of things that God has created that from the very beginning, this is the manner in which God would uh, bring about uh, the society of man throughout the history of the world. Of course, in our time, in, in our present day, the time of the end of the world, the time when the marriage relationship has been shattered, the family institution has been effectively destroyed in many places of the world. There is one parent, uh, one mother and or one father due to divorce. And now, even today, you may have children who have two mothers or two fathers. And it is just a complete destruction of what God established in the beginning concerning the home environment that that was so important, so central to proper development of children. And, and yet today, it's just in ruins. The reason for that is we have come near to the end of time. And so God has given up many things to the lusts of men for their destruction. And it appears that family life is one of those things that is being destroyed at the time of the end. Well, the word cleave, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, is a word that's used many times in connection with cleaving to God himself. We're not going to go to all the verses, but this is a good example of how this word is used in Deuteronomy 11, in verse 22. It says, For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love Jehovah your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him. Here God is speaking to man, to the Jew, to the believer, and he's saying that you are to keep God's commandments, that you're commanded, and this we know is how we demonstrate love for God. As Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and and therefore it's mentioned here, to keep God's commandments, to love Jehovah your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him. So the child of God, or man, cleaves to God by keeping his commandments. That is the closest possible intimacy man can have with God. The closest relationship is when we keep his commandments. Then we are in union with him. We are inseparable from him. But what does God say when we sin? Your sins have separated you from your God. We read in Isaiah. 
Sin separates. It, it pulls asunder. It breaks asunder. And it, it causes God to put man away from himself. And yet obedience to God's command brings together and joins together. It brings about a cleaving to one another that the marriage relationship pictures. Now, the difference is that in Genesis, it's the man who cleaves to his wife. And in the verse we just read in Deuteronomy, we can read several others. It is God speaking to man, telling man to obey him, to cleave unto him. And God, of course, is in the role of the husband, in the role of man, and the believer is cast in the role of the woman. So it's reversed. But we have to keep in mind that we love him because he first loved us. Or, in other words, the way it would work regarding keeping God's commandments or cleaving unto God is we would keep his commandments, loving him, cleaving to him, if he first loved us or cleaved to us. And that's how it would really show itself in the spiritual marriage when the Lord Jesus Christ loves a sinner when he has saved someone and he has brought the gospel to the ears of that person and through hearing uh, by the faith of Christ they have been saved they have been given the spirit of God a desire to do his will to keep his commandments and do keep them perfectly from their newborn again heart their newborn again soul well, that's all because Christ first, the husband, has loved that individual, has cleaved to that individual, will never leave nor forsake that individual. And in response, now with that eternal security, that eternal union established between Christ and one of his elect, the Elect now responds with cleaving to God and, and they're inseparable now, now forevermore. And it's one of the reasons this cleaving of Christ to the sinner, the elect sinner and the elect sinner's response of cleaving in return to the word of God. It's one of the reasons why the child of God keeps going to the Bible, keeps turning back to the Bible, no matter what's going on in their life, sometimes the worst things are happening in that child of God's life, and they have all kinds of struggles and difficulties, and they're cast down in soul, they're they're sick physically, and yet they keep turning back to the Bible, and things may not be going right not going well for them and people may wonder why do you keep reading that bible why do you keep listening to bible teaching and bible reading and and keep cleaving unto your bible and and, and maybe even 
the child of God doesn't know why. He just knows I have to keep going to God in prayer. I have to keep reading and studying the Bible. And it's all because we're cleaving to God because he is cleaving to us. He is the one that will not let us go. He will not allow us to go away. Where can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. He will not allow us to cease wrestling with him because he is uh, maintaining the wrestling match. It is all God's doing, permitting us to struggle with him in these spiritual things. And God is drawing us and and not allowing us to depart, to return to the world, to return to former things. We cannot. It's an impossibility for one of God's elect to be cast adrift, to be let loose, uh, to return uh, to the world. Remember uh, with Naomi, she had two daughters-in-law and after who married her sons and after her sons died she said to them go back and return and the one Orpah she she did return to her native country but Ruth clung or cleaved to her mother-in-law it says in Ruth chapter 1 in verse 14 and they lifted up their voice and wept again and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people." And thy God, my God, where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. Jehovah, do so to me, and more, also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And Ruth is really speaking, describing the relationship between Christ and his people. Uh, sometimes God brings up circumstances in our lives and, and he presents uh, obstacles in the path of the child of God to see what will be their reaction as it was charged against Job. Well, you've put hedges about him. Remove the hedges and 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 uh, trouble his house and and bring calamity upon him and he'll curse you to his face. So God permitted that to happen to Job, and then Satan came with even more accusations. When Job remained faithful, when Job in the depths of despair, in the the deepest sorrow that probably any of us could imagine turn to God in prayer and and turn to the one whose hand was against him and yet didn't stop Satan from 
making his accusation and leveling his charges against one of God's saints. And he said, well, put your hand upon his flesh and he'll curse you. So God permitted that also. But the thing is that when someone has become a child of God, when someone has been saved by God, God is the one that will hold them. God is the one that first cleaves to them. And they can only in response cleave back to God in this marriage relationship, this inseparable union that God has brought together. And what God has joined together, God has said in the Bible, let not man put asunder. No one can put asunder. No one can come between and divide and, and, and cause one to move aside and the other to move in the other direction. When it comes to God and His elect child of God, no one can separate this relationship that God has brought together. And and God plainly tells us that in Romans chapter 8. He says in verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word separate that we read twice in verse 35 and verse 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, is the word asunder. It's the same Greek word translated as asunder, what God has joined together. Let not man put asunder. Let not man separate and and here God is saying who shall separate us what shall separate us what shall put asunder the joining together of this spiritual marriage between the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride all those that he has saved shall all the things that were mentioned in Romans 8 do it? Shall it accomplish that separation, the putting asunder of that spiritual union? 
No, no. And, and, and this is an absolute truth. And it's an absolute truth today that the end of the church age will not put asunder Christ's union with his spiritual bride, the elect. The completion of the great tribulation will not separate the Lord Jesus Christ from his elect people. The entering into a spiritual judgment of the world will not separate Christ and his elect people. The circumstances of what is happening today, whatever they are for any of God's elect, will not bring about the separation, will not bring a divide asunder that relationship that Christ has purchased, that he has atoned for the sins of these people and thus join himself together in spiritual marriages. He became dead to the law in their stead that they might be married to another, he himself. There will be no forsaking of them in that way of division, of separation of any kind. There is forsaking of temptation only. That is, God has left his people to be tried and tested, but will never leave nor forsake them in removing his Holy Spirit or ending the the spiritual marriage between them and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an impossibility. The fact is, the truth is, that at the end of this grievous, grievous time period, we will find that every one of God's elect that entered into this time period in in complete union, in oneness with the Lord Jesus, will come out of this time period in the same way. Still one with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that spiritual marriage, that spiritual coming together of God and man, Christ and his people, will continue on eternally without separation, without divorce or putting asunder of any kind. And, and so we can be greatly encouraged as we read here that a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.